Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. It'll be up on the Sky Bible up there, and uh, you can uh, read along with us if you want or just check it out. But this is what John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, and then verse 36 says, and I'll tell you when we get to verse 36, but John chapter 8, verse 31 says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, all right? So he's talking to believers, and he says this, if you abide in my word, You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know, or by conviction, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, number uh, verse 36 says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, if that is true, which it is, then why do so many Christians, why are they not living in the freedom that Jesus has provided? That's, that's kind of the question we've been grappling with throughout this whole series, where we've been kind of trying to look at that and say, okay, well, why is that? Jesus promised it. The God, Word of God is always true. It's always um, for us to hold on to, to obtain, to have a part of our life. But why is it that sometimes uh, we encounter, or even in our own lives, I, and there's areas in my life that sometimes I feel like I'm not winning in that area. And so why, why is that? And so we've been kind of, kind of unfolding this thing. And like Heather said, we're kind of on crossing the finish line today of this Finding Freedom series that we've been in. And we've been, as a church, kind of just, you know, kind of walking through this journey together, right? And it's helped us to discover how we as Christian followers who are rescued from the curse and bondages of sin can open ourselves up. To through what we called open doors, right? We talked about open doors, open windows. If you had an open door to your house and you leave and a, and a, a thief comes in and he's inside your house, right? That's not good, right? No, it's not. It's not good at all. But he doesn't own your house, but he's in your house. And he could take whatever he wants From it. Well, same principle. There are things that we put into our lives. We open doors for the enemy to come in. And then next thing you know, he's, he's starting to control our thoughts. He's starting to control our habits. He's got his hand in certain areas of our life. And we're kind of stuck at times. We're kind of like, well, wait a minute. I don't, I don't get this because what he does is that those open doors allow him this invitation for him to come in. And all of a sudden we're kind of like in a consistent sin, or we have a destructible habits um, or destructive habits. We have unforgiveness in our life. We have bitterness. We have anger. We have fear. We have rejection, we have pride. All of those things are are, are works of the enemy in our life. They're works of the enemy in our life, right? And all those things keep us from living in the freedom and the blessing that God has desired for each of his children to walk in. Because God intends for you to walk in freedom. He intends for you to walk in blessing. And so hopefully throughout this, uh, this journey that you've been on with us, I, I, I hope you've been tracking to the fact that, you know what, um, spiritual bondage is real, okay? Spiritual bondage is real, and it can be something a Christian can be entangled in, okay? Now, you can still be saved, and you can still be going to heaven, but we are in this world, and when we open ourselves up, and in certain ways, and the enemy finds an opening to come in, we can then get entangled to certain things in our life that cause us to not live the best life that God wants us to live, right? To live in, like I said, those, those things. All of a sudden, man, you've just got all this stuff in your life, and you can't seem to break free of it. But see, that's part of understanding that the enemy is real, and that he can put us in spiritual bondage if we let him. That's a big, big statement for you to grab a hold of. If you let him, 
You don't have to let him. You have authority. You have power. You have what the, the word of God says. That you don't have to let him have authority in that area, but you have the authority. So the title of my message today is Finding Freedom. Okay, Finding Freedom. It's the very last one. Let me pray real quick, and then we'll kind of jump into what we're going to talk about. Father, uh, Holy Spirit, help us to find freedom today. Amen. All right. So today we're going to look at four essential keys to becoming free. Okay. And then, I, then we're going to kind of end with a prayer, right, that I, I want us to all be able to pray together. And then at, at some point, then the worship team's going to come up, and we're going to finish with a song. So I want you to engage in that. But we want to look at these things because we want to become totally free. That's the goal. That's why we even taught this whole message, this whole series, was so that we would have tools, we would have understanding that we can walk in freedom, just like Jesus said in John chapter 8. We want that to become alive in you, to be real to you, to experience that, okay? And so I I said this, it's kind of a journey, because um, freedom is a journey, right? There are times when, when the Lord can come and boom, Snap that off of you, and man, you, you're, that's, you no longer have an issue. But there are other times when, you know what? It takes a little bit of time. It's a journey. It's a process that you have to walk through. And so it starts with deliverance, right? Being set free from it. But then it continues with discipleship, which is really key to understand. Because you know what? Even though he breaks it off of you, that doesn't mean that the enemy gives up. We know that in Scripture when the enemy came to Jesus in the garden. And tried to tempt him three times. And then it says, he finally went away, but he was looking for a more opportune time. Right? He's looking all the time. And so we have to understand that it's deliverance, and it starts there, and then it continues with discipleship. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned this guy, a pastor named Jack Hafer. He says, you can't disciple a demon, and you can't cast out the flesh. Okay? So... We have to understand, sometimes it's this process we have to walk through to keep that deliverance, that freedom from continuing in our life, okay? But we can do it through Jesus, amen, right? We can be delivered and set free from the influence or control of evil spirits um, when we take God's word. We allow God's word to grow inside of us, right? Which then begins to fortify and arm ourselves to grow in complete freedom begins to fortify and arm ourselves, right? To grow in complete freedom. And then essentially, you know what's going to happen? You're going to grow so much in God's word and in power and in the spirit that, man, you'll outgrow your desire to be in that bondage. See, we, we don't understand that. Right? If we would fill ourselves continually with what God's word has to say and walking with, with the Lord, at some point you're going to grow so strong that, you know, when, the, when that bondage, that temptation, that, that, that situation, whatever it is, all of a sudden it's going to be like, man, I have outgrown that. I don't need that in my life anymore because, man, I got this, this pathway that I'm walking with the Lord because he gives me the victory in every area. But see, we have to understand that that's how it kind of processes through. Okay, so let's look at Luke chapter 15, and then we'll find this is the story of the prodigal son, which is actually about two sons, right? We always kind of make it about one son, but it's actually about two sons, and it's going to help kind of reveal the keys for us today, right, to find freedom. So um, I'm going to kind of piece it together, but you might say, well, man, you're reading most of it, but I'm trying to shorten it. Anyways, okay, so Luke chapter 15, verse number 11, and we'll go to verse 17 says, then he said, a certain man had two sons. Now, this is Jesus talking, and he's, he's sharing with the people who are hearing uh, this, this parable. He says, then it's, so it's not a true um, story. It's a parable. He's just given this as an example. He said, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, prodigal means reckless or wasteful. Verse 14, 
But when he had spent all, then arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave, um, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough um, and bread, yeah, bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. So our very first key for today to becoming free is to recognize you need help. Is to recognize that you need help. When a believer lives their life and walks in such, I'm going to say it, a loose way, okay? When you, you, your, your doors are open, that's what I'm talking about. You're just kind of just doing life, but not really thinking about the ramifications of these doors that are open. So you're just kind of living in a loose way. It gives, again, the enemy permission to entangle you, entangle me, right? I'm, I'm no different than you. It, it gives them permission to entangle us and influence our lives to the point that we figuratively, figuratively, I can't even say the word now, figuratively are, get stuck, right? Almost like in the parable, we're in the pig pen. We get stuck there. And how many know probably being in a pig pen by yourself and with the pigs, whatever, it gets kind of lonely. I don't think the pigs talk back to you. Right? You can get kind of just yucky and kind of smelly and all that stuff. And so, even though we don't intend for that to happen in our life, sometimes it does. Okay? This is what Proverbs 14, 12 says. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So that's saying, you can... Basically, you can rationalize and justify the path you have chosen and all the wrong doors you've opened up all you want, but because you're, it's your chosen path, your chosen road, right? You're essentially trusting in your own strength and ability and your own righteousness and your own wisdom. That makes sense? Because, hey, you know what? I, I don't need someone else. To show me, to help me. I, I'm going to do this all on my own. But see, that was never God's intended plan. Right? From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, man, they fellowshiped with God. They talked with God. And then all of a sudden, sin came into the world and broke that off. And so God's intention is that, you know what? Hey, man, you might have a great plan. You might have a great strategy. But you got to recognize you need me. You need me in every single detail. Not just when it's, you know, a Sunday morning. Not when just it's all the feel goods and the warm fuzzies. It's in the yuck. It's in the, the chaos of your life. You need him in every single detail. Right? And so it opens a door when we start living that way. When we feel like, oh man, I can do it on my own. It's almost like, you know, this, that, that sense of pride. We've talked about this um, in the, the past uh, uh, messages. But it's that sense of pride. I can do it all on my own. I don't need anything else. And that allows the enemy to come in, right? But Jesus said, if we will get into the truth, right? Truth of God's word. Then you know what? We're able to recognize our error. We're able to recognize, oh, I crossed over the line that I shouldn't have crossed over. And the Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you, right? And you know what will happen? The Holy Spirit will lead you out of bondage in that. He'll, he'll walk you by the hand. And you know what? It might not be all, you know, red roses and, you know, chocolates and all that. But he's going to lead you by the hand so that you're no longer in bondage to that area of your life that you, that you can't seem to conquer, that you always seem to go back to, that, that's, that's been there. And you're like, man, I, if I could just get this off of my life, if I could just change, if I could just get it right, you know, whatever that is, that could just be cussing. 
And you know inside, man, the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you, telling you, you don't cuss anymore. Yeah, you just kind of keep going back to that. And that's just your deal. Well, I've tried, but man, I'm just not very good at it, you know, and man, I hope I get better. No, he, 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 he'll give you the ability to break free from that bondage. Because, you know what? I mean, he, God doesn't want you to cuss. Jesus doesn't want you to cuss. I'm just using that as an example, right? But we have to understand it's so important that, man, we, we, we get God's word into our heart and into our life. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will give us direction in order to get out of bondage. So here we have the son, right? Who thought, okay? Or let's just say, he, it seemed right to him to follow the pleasures he wanted out of the world. To him, it seemed right. This is what I want. So when he did that and he opened up this door, right? The enemy came in and then you know what the enemy did? He convinced him that he didn't even need his dad. He didn't need the help of his dad anymore. That's why he went to his dad and said, dad, let me have all my inheritance. Let me, let me, let me just go and do whatever I want to do. Because the enemy convinced him. He lied to him and said, you don't need your dad. How often does the enemy lie to people that they don't need God? That they don't need Jesus in their life? Oh, all the time. Let me tell you. He tries that trick on me all the time. But I got to remind him. I got to talk to him. I got to, hey, hold it right there, buddy. No, I need Jesus. I need God in my life every single moment of the day. And then the other thing about it too, no matter what, even though he left and did his own thing thinking he didn't need the father, what was so cool is the father still loved him and he was still a son to the father. Now, if you don't know, the, the story, the father is relating to God the father. So, even if we mess up, even if we're in bondage to things, man, that never changes God's love for you. Okay? That never changes. And then also, right, it, it also puts you in a position to know that, hey, you're still, you're still a son and daughter. You just missed the mark. You just misstepped. And God's going to still love you, but he's going to have to get you to walk through to restore you. Okay, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a minute. But then let's see what it says. So then Jesus reveals this in the story that after all of his free living and the state of affairs that he found himself in, right? Because it's not good, right? It says, Jesus said he came to himself. Okay, a couple of other translations say it this way. I think they're up on the board up here. Yeah, so in the Amplified it says, but when he finally came to himself, like, hello, right? Like sometimes, you know, we could even say, hello, like, why can't you get it right? Or we have, or we have people in our life that sometimes say, hello, didn't you see that? Right? Man, praise God for my wife. Anyways, so um, it wasn't a dig, I promise. Okay. So the next, the next one in, in the Passion Translation says, humiliated. It got him to the point where he finally realized, man, I am humiliated. The son finally realized what he was doing. And so he comes to his senses, right? Or you could say he recognized that he had a problem. And when he recognized that, he, he realized, you know what? I need help. I need help. So what does he do? He returns to the father, right? Who never lost his love for him. And he asks for help. And it's the same way, right? You and I can only find freedom from our bondages when we turn back to God and admit we need help. That's the only way you're going to find freedom. And those things that you keep running back to that you know are not what God wants for you. And really, this is what the Holy Spirit's been talking to us about this whole series, right? If you can simply admit it, then the Lord can begin to set you free. But you got to admit it. You got to come clean. You got to say, yeah, yeah, this is an area. You know, no longer just, ah, oh, well, you know, that, that's just a weakness I have. <laughs> right? Oh, I've used that before. Trust me. Okay? But, but realizing, no, no, it's, 
it's driven by something spiritually that causes you to sometimes get right back into those things. Psalms 34, 17 says this, says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears. I love that, right? And then it says, and delivers them out of all their troubles. Isn't that such a great promise? That's such a great promise. He said, and delivers them out of all of their trouble. It don't matter how big your trouble is. It don't matter how small your trouble is. He is going to walk with you through the fire of the trouble, right? And praise God. I thank the Lord that, man, sometimes just like those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you can walk through the fire and you won't smell like fire, right? Because he's with you. He's right there. He's going to deliver you. However, that it might not look exactly the way you want it to look. But he said he's still going to deliver you. He's still going to help you walk through it. So we've got to recognize that we have a problem, right? And then we got to go to the Father for help, okay? Now, I'm going to give you three more, right? And each of these you cannot skip in the process if you want to find freedom. Got it? Okay. Second one, repent to God and to others. Repent to God and to others. That others is sometimes the cheeky part, but we'll get there, okay? So verse 18 says, this is the kid talking, right? But it's Jesus talking, but it's the son, the younger son. He says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Okay, you remember who, who represents the father? God, right? And he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And before you, or before a person, or, or somebody, right? So the first off, it's important for you and I to understand that repentance and confession are not the same. Okay? Repentance and confession are not the same. Now, repentance includes confession, but you can confess your sins and not repent. Okay? Now, um, you know, just... In my head, I, sometimes I think movie-wise, and I don't really have a movie for this, but, you know, sometimes in the movies you see where, um, you know, they have uh, somebody goes, yeah, I'm going to go repent to the Catholic priest. Nothing against Catholicism or anything that. Don't take it as that. But I'm going to go repent to them, or I'm going to go talk to him. And so they get in the booth, and guy's on one side, the other guy's on the other, and he, and he confesses all this stuff. But then, next thing you know, he comes back the next week, and he's saying the same things he did. So he's confessing but he hasn't repented. But see, I got to give you this kind of definition though, okay? Because the confession part is more about the fact that, yeah, I'm acknowledging, I'm admitting that I did it. And I'm sorry. I, I, I just kind of messed it up. Now that's good, okay? And that's needed, but it doesn't mean you repented, okay? Because the word repent, repentance comes in two Greek words. It's kind of a compound word. The first one is meta, which means change. Okay, that's where we get the word metamorphosis. Okay, so meta. And then the second one is uh, metanoia. So it's noia, which means mind. So it's changed mind. Repentance is when you begin to change your mind. Not just about your sin, but really when you change your mind about the way you see God, when you change your mind about the way you see yourself, when you change your mind about who God created you to be. Another way to say it is in Romans chapter 2, verse uh, uh, 12, verse 2, okay, which says this. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. It says, be inwardly transformed. Okay, or um, that, that word could be also, um, oh, I'm sorry, I, I jumped ahead. Uh, let's see, transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think, which basically means a renovation of your mind, like you're renovating, like you're changing things, you're, you're taking things down. You're, you're putting that to the side, you're throwing it in the junkyard, you're, you know, doing whatever, and you're renovating, making it brand new. So he says, but be inwardly, inwardly, transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. That means you got to change the way you think 
about sin, your sin, knowing, hey, yeah, I'm turning away from that. I can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't live it. I can't be involved in that anymore. About the way I see God and how God really loves me, it's changing the way I think about myself. It's changing the way about how, man, what God has for me in, in my life. So it's all this change. So we got to renew our mind. Oh, and then it says this will empower you. So it's going to empower you. Man, how good is that? Right? How many want to be empowered? I mean, I don't want to be a weak worm of the dust. I don't want to be somebody who's just kind of, you know, limping along. Oh, man, I'm barely making it, Pastor Scott. No. It says, man, God's word will help empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So see that transformation that's taking place? When we allow God's word to work on our life, so we got to renew our mind, change our mind, right? Change the way we think because freedom starts within. Freedom starts within, in you. It, that's where it starts, right? It's a work of the Holy Spirit working in you together with you, right? It's not just, okay, Holy Spirit, go to work, right? No, it's you working and partnering with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit speaking and talking and you listening and you following and you obeying and you putting all this thing. And all of a sudden this transformation starts to take place. And like I said, all of a sudden you start to grow bigger than the bondage. Bigger than the temptation. Bigger than the circumstance that's set, that's set before you. So you have to change the way you think, right? And then, of course, once you do that, then you start going a different way. You, 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 you go the opposite way once you start to do that. And so we have to understand, sometimes as Christian, if God does not drop that thing off, like just off of you right away, sometimes... It, you have to just be um, with the, have the understanding that it's a lifelong process that we walk through, right? It's a lifelong process, but you're, you're going to gain victory on this. You're going to get victory because you're going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden you'll see this drop off, that drop off. Man, I don't, I don't fear anymore like I used to. I don't live in anxiety like I used to anymore. I don't, you know, do this anymore like I used to because you, you're outgrowing, you're outgrowing it with God's help, with, with, a, with a hope, with, uh, with the Holy Spirit. But see, we have to engage in it. We've got to be, I mean, it, take it seriously. Take it seriously. So we've got to give the Holy Spirit, right, an opportunity to help us turn and close those doors. Because he'll, he'll, he'll help us close the doors that we've left open so that these bondages no longer affect our life and we can experience freedom that God has for all of us. Okay, it's not just for one person. It's not just for Pastor Scott because he's a pastor, right? No, man, I, I'm still in the walking process too. I'm walking hand in hand with you in all of this. But we got to understand that he wants us to, to change our mind, right? He wants us to change our mind about what, what sin is, right? And what our, even our sin looks like, right? Because we can, there, there, there's no um, scale when it comes to sin. Like, oh, that's a number 10 skin, a sin, and that's a number one sin. So uh, if I just stay in the number one sin, I think I'm good. There's no scale, right? God looks at sin as sin, right? And so you can't sit there and go, woo, that guy's got a number 10, man. Oh, he's going up the river without a paddle or whatever, okay? And oh, well, you know, I just got this one little, little thing. I, yeah, I, I, I like to, you know, uh, lie a lot or whatever. I, I just like to lie about things. Well, lying's not truth, right? So that falls into that category. So we have to change our mind about what sin is and what really like our sins that we, we, we encounter, and, and then, you know, repent. Repent to those things to God. Let me, let me give you, um, uh, then, then what we do is that, you know, we might need to go to others as well. Okay? Now, in the story, we know the young man went to the father, and then he repent, uh, went to God the father, and then he repented to his, to his, his uh, earthly father. Verse 18 says, I have sinned against heaven and before you. So let me, let me show you a picture right here through Scripture. 
about how important it is to be right with someone if you need to repent with them or you need to confess, right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 24. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, okay, and there, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Okay, well, why would he have something against you? Well, maybe you did something to them, whatever. It says, leave your gift before the altar. And so he's saying, man, drop the gift. Your gift ain't going to mean much right now. And go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Man, how many of us really do that? Where we think about that. Oh man, I got to get this right with somebody first. You know, even if, even if you don't think you, you're the one who did something, but still go find out what, 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 what's the thing between us? What's going on here? But that's how, how serious he says. God wants us to go to other people and also repent. Also say, confess, hey, this is what's going on, man. I, I just come to you and I, I, I don't want to do that again to you. I don't want to say that again. I don't want to walk in that again. Okay. But we've got to be able to understand that that's what the process is. James chapter five, verse 16 says, confess to one another. Therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for uh, one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Okay? Uh, Ioma is the Greek word for healed, and it means to cure, heal, make whole, to be free from errors and sins. Okay? So there's, there's a healing process that takes place when we, when we bring it before others to talk to them, right? So another way to say it is, Repent of your sins to one another that you may be free. So think about those areas in your life, right? And sometimes in those areas of your life, you, you, you can identify this bondage and, and how many times you come to God and, and confessed it, right? But you keep doing it. And you're like, ah, right? It's because you haven't repented because you haven't changed your thought process about it. You haven't let the Holy Spirit confirm that in you that, hey, that is wrong and you need to, to get away. But the other thing also too is when we don't confess it to others possibly or have any like spiritual um, authority or, or, or somebody that likes a mentor or an accountability partner or whatever it is, then what happens is, is it all gets like in, in the dark. It stays in the dark. Right? And who, who lives in the dark? The devil does. Satan does. That's where he operates. He operates in dark things. Right? So, what that does when you bring it before someone else, an accountability partner, somebody that might be a little more spiritually mature, then you know what you're doing? You're opening it up to the light. Getting it out in the open. Shining as much light as you can on it so that healing can take place. That process can get there. And so that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to understand. It's so important that we get that. So the prodigal son did that. He repented before God. Right? And, and let me say this too. There's going to be a time when your mind's going to say, oh no, I'm not, I don't want to confess to somebody else. I don't want an accountability partner. I don't want somebody that might be you know, spiritually more mature along with me and, I, and tell them my faults or my sins. Man, your mind's going to go wacko. It's going to say, don't you do that. You're going to be embarrassed. What are they going to think of you? They may never be your friend anymore. Oh my gosh, don't do that. Right? But see, that's where you've got to like put that aside and know, okay, wait a minute. Truth is, there are people that I might need to talk to and get this squared away. Or, or share, hey man, this is an area that I, that I really, really struggle with. And you know what? That shines that light on it. It's not hidden in the darkness anymore. Okay? Let me, let, me, uh, let me give you the third one. The third one. 
To find freedom is to renounce the lies of Satan. Renounce the lies of Satan. So renouncing means to refuse to follow, obey, recognize any further. So you're refusing to follow, obey, or recognize. You're not going to recognize it any further. So to renounce the lies of the devil means you are formally declaring your refusal. Your refusal. Okay, you have to refuse to follow or obey or obey or to recognize any and all of his lies that he has spoken in your mind into your life. Now, one of the, one of the um, things that, that we, uh, I, I think I've shared a, a long time ago, but you know, the name devil basically means that, you know, what he does is he, he takes a lie and it's almost like a ball and he just keeps pounding it at your mind and he keeps throwing it against the wall. So we'll pretend the wall is your mind. Okay, and he just, that's what he does. He just keeps pounding, pounding until your mind receives it. Until your mind goes, yeah, I guess that's right. I guess that's truth. See, he looks for those avenues, those open doors to kind of get that thought, that lie into your head that says, yeah, you really are no good. God doesn't really love you because look at you. You got this, you got that, you got all kinds of stuff. Right? Well, who doesn't have all kinds of stuff? We do. But see, that doesn't change God's love for us. And so until we are able to snatch the lie and say, no, this doesn't work. This is not mine. And throw it back at him. He's just going to keep bouncing it off our mind and keep throwing it in there until somewhere it's going to stick. But see, that's why we have to build the reinforcement of God's word in our heart and in our mind. So that it just keeps bouncing back. Right? It just keeps going back to them. Because we don't want it to, to seep in. We don't want it to get stuck there. Right? And the thing is with bondages, right? Bondages begin, uh, begin with and are rooted in a lie. So if you're in bondage to something, I guarantee you somewhere down the line, you, you believed a lie. You believed a lie somewhere. Right? Um, I think uh, maybe I shared this, but I know there have been times even in my life where, you know, I, I have dealt with insecurity. And somewhere down the line, I, you know, I told you about my teacher in first grade telling me I was going to be a lousy reader, never be a good reader. You know, it, you know, basically she was calling me trash, right? And so I took that lie and believed it. So I hated reading books. Didn't want to do anything with books. Like, yeah, forget that. I ain't doing it. Okay, or, but, but see, then that kind of builds some things and it builds insecurity. Then you got like that insecurity can then lead to rejection. Well, I don't want to be rejected, but you, you're, you're rejecting me. I think you're rejecting me. And they're like, I'm not rejecting you. No, 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 you're really, you're rejecting me. See, so all of this stuff starts to pile on and all this stuff starts to get there. So when we, 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 we work through things and we realize, man, that God wants me or, you know, even unforgiveness, all this stuff just kind of piles on a lie and it can keep piling and piling and piling unless we get to the root of it and remove it, right? It's like weeds in your grass. Like, how can you grow grass in South Carolina? I mean, it's like weed central. It's crazy. And then I got crazy onions growing in my, in my grass. What? That's nuts. Anyways, okay. So what we got to figure out is we've got to eradicate the lie that, that the enemy says. So let me read. Uh, we're back in Luke chapter 15, verse 25. And then we're going to read some more. It says, now his older son was in the field. Now we're getting to the second son. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of, of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has, uh, he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf, but he was angry and would not go in. This is, that's the older brother. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, I love that, Lo, like that's not like yo, that's just like lo. Like how often do you start a sentence with lo, right? Like next Sunday I'll go, Lo, what's up? You ready? Okay, anyways, sorry. Lo, these many things, oh, I'm sorry, lo, these many years I have been serving you. Now, I want you to watch this. Watch the lies. 
that come out of his mouth, the lies that he's been believing. He said, I never, okay, here's the first one. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And um, yet you never, second lie, gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. So didn't, didn't notice his attitude in this. He says, but as soon as this son, right? Not even as soon as my brother comes home. It's like, but as soon as this son um, of yours came, who was devoted to your life, uh, who, who devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fattened calf for him. So even though the oldest son stayed at home, right? He fell into to, to, uh, just as much spiritual poverty and deception as his brother did. See, we don't see that sometimes. And so the first lie, right? He said, I have never, or the, what he, the lies he was entertaining. Let me put it that way. He's entertaining these in his head as he's hearing the music, as he's heard his brother come home. The, the enemy has come and he's put these things in there. So the first one is, I have never transgressed, right? Your commandment at any time. Now that's a lie because he's not Jesus. Straight up, right? Jesus is the only one who has never transgressed. But he says that, okay? And this is what the Bible says, right? Just to back it up. Romans 3.23. For everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Do you hear that? Everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. So there's a standard, but you know what? Not even Pastor Scott reaches that standard. Just being honest. There's times, and I know it, and I got to get before the Lord, and I got to repent, and I got to confess, and I got to ask for forgiveness, right? So the older brother was in bondage to pride, I would say, right? When he made that statement, I have never disobeyed. I have never, ever done anything wrong, right? He's kind of becoming like righteous Rick. That's not his name, but I'm just making it up, okay? But he, like, you know, righteous Rick, just kind of, I'm righteous. I, I've never done anything wrong. I am just so holy. I'm so wonderful, right? But that, that's all a lie. Because it's not your righteousness. It's God's righteousness through what his son Jesus did for you and I. That's what makes us righteous. But see, when we get all into the whole, oh, I'm so holy and holy, so righteous, man, we become righteous Rick or Righteous Rebecca or whatever. And we, and we, and we can't be that way. That, that, so that's believing a lie. Then the second one, he says, you never even gave me a goat. Okay. Now, I want you to listen to this because this is, one, this is a, a scripture that's often overlooked in this story. Okay. Verse 12, it says this. Because we know that he gave the son the, the inheritance, the younger son. It says, and the younger son uh, uh, of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Now pay attention. It says, so he, the dad, divided to them his livelihood. He gave to both. Not just to the young son that we always focus on and say, oh my gosh, he got everything. Oh, you know, whatever. I mean, that's kind of like a plot twist in a movie. Like, you know, dun, 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 or whatever, you know, and everyone's like, oh. But he, 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 the father, you know, abdicated his wealth to both of them at that moment. So here, here's the deal about Jewish law. That means then the older son got two thirds of the dad's inheritance and the younger son got one third of the inheritance. So the older son got more than the younger son. But remember, he gave it to him all at that moment. They both had it. Yet... The older son decided to stay. So the older son had all of, of, of the inheritance, all of the blessing of his father. And he could have picked any goat he wanted at any time to make merry with his friends. But see, he was believing a lie. He was allowing the enemy to twist and turn and let all this resentment and bitterness and all these things, you know, happen in his life. Right? And I, I could just see the dad. Like, what are you whining about, man? Do you, see it? you serve cheese with that wine? Really? Because I just gave you two-thirds. 
And you can pick any goat, man, that you want. And then the dad says this. He says, and he, right, the father, said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Now remember, the father represents God, right? I mean, you got to think about that statement. As long as we are with him, right, all that he has is ours, right? All that he has is mine. All that I have is, he has is yours, 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 all of us. He's got more than enough to cover every single person. That's the God I serve. But see, sometimes we, we, we limit it and we, then we get into this bondage because we think, well, God, why are you blessing those people? And man, they're not as righteous as me. They're not as good as me. They're not as what I'm doing, but yet you're turning around and blessing them. I don't get it. Wham, right? And God's all, don't you worry about it. I got everything. I got exactly what you need. And I'll give it to you when you exactly need it. But see, we, our minds, right? And then, you know, when we get into bondage, we, we hold those things. We get resentment, envy, whatever it is. And then also, like, that, that bondage for that guy, he didn't even want to go to his brother's party. He's like, no, I'm isolating myself. I'm backing off. I'm not going to be anywhere around. I'm going to hold the grudge. I'm going to be, un, you know, have unforgiveness and all that. And that's not good either, right? But see, we can do that sometimes. We can look at other people that way and think, ah, jeez, right? But see, that's not what God wants us to do. And I'll tell you, if that's a, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. Sometimes you can look at, at other people and you think, man, I, man, what? Man, they're so blessed. Wow, wow, God, why do you keep blessing them? And man, I, I want to see that, right? And so you can get critical, or you can be kind of, you know, jealous or whatever. But see, the thing is, is I got to realize if I'm responding that way, then I've got a bondage in my life. Ouch. Right? I got something in me that the enemy has lied to me about that says either I'm not good enough for God. I'm not good enough to receive his blessings. I'm not good enough for any of it. And so we've got to renounce the lies of the enemy. And the great way to do that is with God's word, right? The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive and it's breathing. The enemy does not like God's word. He can even quote God's word when he wants to try to manipulate it into you thinking something. But he does not like it when a believer, okay, uses God's word on him because he's recognizing, uh uh-oh, they understand their authority. Uh Uh-oh, they got some power behind it. Uh Uh-oh, Holy Spirit's going to back that up. Uh Uh-oh, so is God. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. That's why it's so important that we got to refute those lies. Okay, the very last one. We got to receive the gifts of the Father. All right, we got to receive the gifts of the Father. Luke chapter 15, verse 22 says this. But the Father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on them. And put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Okay? Now notice the father was not waiting for the son to fix the problem and prove himself upon return. He wasn't sitting there and going, oh, yeah, you're going to have to prove yourself, buddy. I'm not going to give you any grace. I'm not going to, you know, give you any extra. I'm going to make it even tougher for you. Because you know what you put me through? Man, me sitting out there every single night watching and looking for you and waiting for you to come home. And man, you didn't come home and all this stuff. And I had all these things. He didn't do that, right? He, he, he didn't allow that, right? He didn't say, man, you got to fix all this before I can even do anything for you. No, instead, he simply stepped in with a plan of restoration immediately. Wasn't later. It was immediate. By giving him these three gifts. The first one was the robe, right? Which, which stands for the robe of righteousness, right? It's symbolic of the robe of righteousness. The robe symbolized the son's restored position. Isaiah 61.10 says, For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. 
He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Meaning that, you know what? He put that robe on and now him and his father are in right standing. That's what righteousness means. That you're in right standing with God. And that it only comes through him. It's not any work that you can do. But it's the fact that, man, I have given my life to Jesus. Therefore, immediately, I am in this robe of righteousness. So it marks that the son had been forgiven and returned to his rightful place with his father. Now, remember, it was immediate. It wasn't, oh, okay, you got to prove yourself. Like, sometimes we, 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 we put God in this box. And say, well, God will only do this for me, only bless me if I am so rigidly uh, obedient. Like in a sense where, man, not until I get my stuff together, right? Well, he, 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 he extended his hand towards me. But this, this is kind of like ref, refuting that. Where the father is like, no, man, you came back and repented. Then ran the first thing I'm doing is putting that robe of righteousness on you. And now you are restored in a rightful position as the son, as the one who I can work through, right? But it's all because of what Christ did, okay? So the robe is marked, uh, marked, uh, marked for position. Then the second thing was the ring. The ring is uh, symbolic of authority. It's symbolic of, the, of authority. When, now, let me, let me go back a little bit. When Pharaoh put Joseph in command, what did he do? He gave him a ring, right? And that ring showed that he had the authority, that anybody wanted to do anything in the land had to go to Joseph to find out if he could do it or not, okay? Had to get consent. So when the father put the ring on his son, the son now has authority Right? His dad, his master's authority to make decisions to help master, to help the master govern the kingdom. Okay? But, but here's the cool part. Jesus gave us the same authority. Okay? This is what he said. Luke 19.10 says, behold, this is Jesus talking. It's not Pastor Scott talking. It's not Pastor Scott version of the Bible. Okay? The PSV. All right? This is Jesus. It says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents, serpents and scorpions. Okay? Now, if you do research in your Bible or whatever, that represents demonic spirits. Okay? And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. But it only works if you receive and enforce the authority God has given you over the enemy. Right? Because see, David could have got the ring and had the authority and people, he, he couldn't, he, he didn't have to enforce it. Oh, I got a ring, man. This is beautiful. It's awesome. And then people go do whatever they want to go do. And, and they're going against his authority. Same principle. God has given us a ring, but now we have to use it to enforce it. Right? To enforce the, the authority that has been given to us. Right? And the reason why we have the ring is because we wear the robe. Ain't that good? The reason why we have the ring of authority is because we wear the robe of righteousness. The last one, sandals, right? Shoes of peace and of power. Shoes of peace and of power. Now, if you remember, Jesus said in the parable, right? He said this, that the prodigal, the youngest son, joined himself to a citizen of that country. Basically what Jesus was meaning is that, son, that, that younger son became a slave. He joined himself, meaning I, I, he became a slave. Now, in ancient times, when you were a slave, you were barefoot. You know what I want to know why? So you wouldn't run away. Because, you know, they, they didn't have the transportation we have. You got to walk. Right? To get back home. And man, that hurts. Because I'm sure they had rocks and all kinds of stuff. You know, camel manure they got to dodge and all that stuff. Right? But, but he, here's the deal. The enemy comes, right? When, we, when he gets us in bondage, I truly believe this. The enemy then tries to, um, I guess you could say metaphorically, steal 
your shoes. So you're trapped in the bondage. Right? So that you won't run off. But but the, the great thing about it is the fact that, you know what? These shoes they, that are given, there's, there's a couple of things. They're just, yeah, this is great, okay? Right? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, you know this. It, it's in the armor of God, right? But it says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, he's not talking fuzzy slippers, right? Or your Scooby-Doo, you know, slide-ins or whatever it is, Okay? But Paul is talking about military shoes. And these military shoes have these long spikes on, on them, on the bottom of them. And, and what they were good for is, one, for standing your ground. So you're not moved or pushed off your mark or whatever it is, right? And he calls them shoes of peace, right? So when you're going through a storm, man, it's good to have those shoes on. Because you know what? It's not going to toss me to and throw and back and forth and all over the ship of the storm or in the storm. It's going to keep me centered right there and say, yeah, I know I'm going through it, but you know what, man? I'm at peace because God's got me. And then the other thing is, is that they would, you know, wear those things and they would march, right? They would do that. And man, and in battle, they could use them as a weapon to drive them in through somebody. Okay, but see, we have to understand that that is a great picture of what we can do to the enemy. Stomp on them, right? We can stomp on them because we've been given this position, we've been given the authority, and now we've been given peace and power to stomp on them. I read this in one of our passages before, but Romans 16, 20, okay? I remember this as a kid's pastor because we would sing this song, right? And this song has this part where it says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And you know what you would do in that song with kids? It would say, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan. And then we go like this, underneath your feet. And the kids all jump up. And man, we're like, yeah, that's awesome. And you know, you're trying to get this loud sound in the room. And so you're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. You know, and everyone gets excited. But see, sometimes as Christians, we don't believe that we can do that as adults. We feel like we go, right? Because we got to walk, because we know better. You know, we, we don't want to poke the bear. But man, we got to poke the bear. We got to step on the bear, right? And, and again, I, I, like I said, I shared this passage before, but it says, we'll crush Satan under your feet shortly. That word shortly is not, it is down the road, but it's also right now, right? Because we think, oh yeah, well, at some point Jesus is coming back and he's going to throw the enemy into the thing, according to the Bible, and, and it's all going to be taken care of. Yeah, but he wants you to live in victory now. He wants you to live in freedom now. And so that means, shortly means swiftly. Now he wants to do it. But see, you guys got to get, we got to get our stomping boots on and jump on him. Don't tippy toe and, uh, right? It's like, you know, getting in the pool. We always kind of go like, uh, oh, it's so cold. Oh my gosh. Right? No, we got to just jump in. Worship team, come on up. But all this happens, right? All this happens in our daily walk, right? This, this, these shoes of peace, this power that's been given to us, all of this is so that, you know, in our daily walk with Jesus, we can have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, right? And this is great because he wants to demonstrate his power through you. He wants to demonstrate his power through you daily, all the time, so that you can live in freedom. So that's why the Father gave these three gifts. And see, we've got to be able to receive those gifts too, right? We've got to be able to look at it. I mean, that really could be a whole message or even a series. So I gave you kind of a short uh, synopsis there. But it, see, the Father gave this to his son because he wanted to announce that his son was no longer a slave He was no longer in bondage. Instead, he was rightfully at home, 
right? He was in the right, rightfully in the position. He was rightfully in the authority. And he was rightfully in the peace and the power that the Father had, right? And that applies to you and I in the moment, right now. That applies to every single one of us that God wants to set us free, right? And I don't know, like through this process that we've been talking about, um, wow, that went dark. Um, hello? Anyways, um, in this process, we've, we've been just asking the Holy Spirit, where, where are, some, are some areas in our life that we feel like we um, have been entangled, that we have bondages that we just can't seem to get out of? And, and today what I want to do is I want to pray this prayer with you. Okay, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. Now, it's in your book, in your workbook, if you have a workbook. Um, and so I would suggest even on your way out, you grab this workbook. And that, that prayer is something that you can continue at times that when you need it to pray this prayer. But I'm going to believe that we're going to pray it together and that things will begin. The Holy Spirit will show you those areas in your life that maybe that, that, that there are some bondages in your life. Right? Maybe there's a bondage of unforgiveness. Maybe you just will not forgive no matter come, I want to say hell and high water, but I probably shouldn't say that, right? But I'm just, I'm sticking my foot in. I'm not going to do it, right? Or maybe it's, you got issues with lust, or maybe you got issues with other things in your life. But see, I believe that the Lord can set you free. But see, you also got to approach this with a declaration of believing that God can set you free and that he wants to set you free so that you can experience all that he has. So, I, and it's also going to be up here on the screen. So what I'm going to do is I, I would love for you to, to pray this prayer with me, okay? And there might be a, a, a small stoppage time in there because I might ask you to, to do something. But, um, but I want you to uh, pray this prayer with me. Repeat after me. And, um, and then, then I'm gonna, I'll end it with a prayer. And then we're going to sing a song kind of as a declaration of the fact that God has set us free, right? That, that we don't have to live in bondage. And even if it's a process for you, that's okay, okay? But see, that, that's where you got to understand there's, there's aspects to this walk that are so important because one, you can get delivered, but then now you need to be discipled. You need discipleship in your life to where you are growing and you're growing to the point where you're outgrowing the bondage, Right? You're outgrowing it, so it, it can't have a, an effect on you. So if you would, now, the great thing about this, nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to close your eyes when you pray. Right? We always think that. Oh, man, I got to close my eyes when I pray. No, you don't have to. That's why you can follow along and pray a prayer. It's awesome. You can just pray in your car. That way, but don't, the eyes closed. No, 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 no. Okay? I remember I was talking to somebody one time, and I said, hey, well, let's pray. And I'm driving, and she's like, don't close your eyes, Pastor Scott. No, I'm not going to close my eyes. I'm going to pray and drive, and man, it's all good. Okay? So, in all seriousness, let's, let's pray. Okay? Um, I, hey, I think you, um, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Okay, so just repeat after me. Holy Spirit, search my heart and bring any and every area of spiritual bondage to my attention. Now, stop right there. I want you to just spend a moment and see if the Holy Spirit brings something to your, to your mind. Just pay attention if something pops up, like, yeah, you got this issue. Okay, Father, I ask you to forgive me for any sin that opened the door to bondage in my life. Lord, I repent of. Now, if there's anything that came to your mind, go ahead and say, you don't have to say it out loud, just, you know, whatever, however you want to do it. I ask you to release me from every bondage in Jesus' name. I take authority over every evil spirit and command it to go in Jesus' name. And every place that the evil spirits have left me, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Heavenly Father, I, I just right now confirm the words that we have spoken and we have released. And Lord, I thank you that you have given us authority to cast out every evil spirit that would try to attach itself to our life. And so right now in Jesus' name, by his authority, I command that every evil spirit stop and desist what they're trying to do in the lives of of all of us here in this building right now. You have no right, no authority to be here any longer. And so I, I, I confirm the release of you going away back to where you came from and that we live in victory because of who Christ is in us. Because we are in position, we are in authority, we are in peace and in power. And we walk that out in Jesus' name. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work you're doing. And and if nothing came to our mind, I thank you that, Lord, throughout the course of our, our walk with you, you'll remind us and that we have the authority to, 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 to get and to speak these things off of us. And that you have the power to back it, to cut it. And I thank you so much for what you're doing in each and every one of us. We love you today. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.